Hey, my loves. Good morning. Hope everything is good. Listen, I've been up all morning. <laughs> um, Kind of woke up pretty early. Slept kind of good for the most part. I know those things kind of matter, right? <laughs> but feel rested. Paid out a bunch of bills I had to pay. Um, And so I have a little bit of free time. I'm doing intermittent fasting. Um, I ordered a habit tracker. And um, I'm going to make one and I'm going to sell them on Amazon. So you're welcome to check for that in, in maybe like a couple weeks. I don't know. I'm going to test out the one I bought and see if I'm going to tweak it and kind of personalize it and make it my own. Um, so but I'm doing intermittent fasting and my tw- my 16 hours ended at 8 in the morning. But I decided to just wait until I'm hungry. So I probably won't go out until closer to 2 p.m. And then um, I already know what I want. I'm going to get myself a good, I'm thinking chicken salad and or veggie salad. And one of my favorite like uh, Jamaica drinks. Call it a day. So, but in the meantime, in between time, I've been wanting to kind of um, get a pulse for what's happening with Chicago. Um, I'm pretty sure you're going to see on the thumbnail, it says there, billionaire leads new effort to stop violence in Chicago. I'm pretty sure I saw this um, at the time I'm recording this, June 23, 2023. Um, this was posted three weeks ago, but I remember seeing it. And when I saw it from three weeks ago, I started paying attention to how things are happening out there, um, including the news feed that some people have kind of referred to in terms of how Chicago is addressing how black women are the top um, victims, even though they're a small percentage of the population. So let's go ahead and play it. I just want you to kind of get an idea of who he is, um, what his intentions are. And then um, I'm going to have to kind of go backtrack and piece together some other things that I saw that were kind of interesting um, let's, let's play that because, because it's not even in the way that I think people think in terms of like the domestic violence or the femicide rates. I'm looking also in terms of like, um, there was a building, there was a, a school, if I'm not mistaken, a community college where immigrants were put in there. Um, uh, and, and so I think that, you know, when you start to look at the politics be- between who they're moving in as the next working class and the implications of that, let's kind of knock this out first. And then um, I'm going to go look for that video on a separate podcast. Here we go. Commercial. That's like the longest two seconds. All right, let's go to the beginning. Maybe we're a little late to the party. Uh, but we now are here and we're willing to um, really invest in ways that will make Chicago safer, uh, not just on the south and west sides, but throughout the entire city. A major announcement from one of the heaviest hitters in Chicago's business community. Billionaire James Crown is leading an ambitious new crusade to drastically reduce violence in Chicago. So yeah, his name is James Crown. I I thought that it was somebody different, a different... Oh, no, no, okay, they haven't... That must be another person that's working with them. 
but I want to pay attention to how they plan to stop crime. And this is so interesting because they're doing it as businessmen. So, you know, one of my favorite content creators, she says, life is business. And I think that sometimes in the black community, we don't always approach things that way, right? We don't look at the implications. You know, when you have all this violence and lots of theft, it affects the biz- the grocery store's business. Uh, yeah, still waking up ability to be able to stay in there it takes them at least seven to ten years to become profitable so if if there's so many um robberies and theft then it you know not only with insurance but safety of employees it's not feasible so i'm interested to see the the correlation between the two let's go anthony pulse joins us live with more on this plan anthony Corey and Don, if a billionaire sets a goal, logic would tell you, right, that it has a very good chance of being achieved. So to that end, James Crown, one of Chicago's billionaires, says it is now his goal to make Chicago the safest big city in America. When it comes to homicides, Chicago's stats aren't good. Almost 700 last year and more than 800 the year before. Well, now a group of Chicago business leaders led by billionaire James Crown have unveiled a plan to cut homicides to less than 400. Wait, let me go back a little bit, too, because like I said, the, the first um, gentleman that you heard at the beginning, I think he's part of that like coalition or type thing of, of that group. Hold on. 800 the year before. Well, now a group of Chicago business leaders led by billionaire James Crown wow. have unveiled a plan to cut homicides to less than 400, which hasn't happened since 1965. This isn't, you know, sort of the, the cure-all solution for public... Okay, so the person you heard at the beginning is, his name is Robert Boyk, B-O-I-K. He's the VP for Public Safety and Civic Community. Wow, y'all. I'm I'm interested to hear more about this. Um, let's go. Safety in Chicago, but it's recognition that business that business community has to do its part. Robert Boyk represents the Civic Committee of the Commercial Club of Chicago, which includes some of the city's wealthiest and most influential business people. It's oh. planned to bring the annual number of homicides below 400 by 2028, includes five commitments, scaling community violence intervention programs, providing jobs for the participants in those programs, enhancing policing and criminal justice reforms, hiring more broadly from the south and west sides of Chicago, and investing directly in those communities if we really want the city to be safer we have to be a part of the solution Um, and that involves us opening up our doors in perhaps some non-traditional ways um, to include individuals who um, need stable jobs to break the cycle of generational poverty rarely do you see a crime reduction strategy come from the business community Mm -hmm. and the civic committee's plan not only draws on the deep pockets and job creation abilities of its members but also seems to approach the gun violence problem with an eye toward consultant like efficiency we want there to be one plan for public safety in the city of chicago that's been lacking we want there to be one plan where everyone has their role to play and we have to hold each other accountable for playing our roles now longer term the civic committee's goal is to reduce chicago's annual homicides to fewer than 200 per year within the next decade reporting live tonight anthony ponce fox 32 chicago and i'm thinking like goddess bless them you know um and 
I've been talking a little bit about how for us black women, like, let's be involved in this process. I know if I understand how things are, whatever they do there is going to be replicated in other areas throughout the country, right? So that's their plan over the next 10 years. And this is language that I don't think that we're used to hearing in our community in terms of like, what are your goals for next year? What are your goals for five years? What are your goals for the next decade, right? Um, I have to get through this commercial in order to, to go back to that, uh, to that screen. And, you know, it's one of those things, like, I really wish that the solutions came from, from within with ourselves, but you just got to take it for what it is, right? Um, and you better believe that all, a lot of the actions that they're planning to take are based on, listen, a billionaire is not just going to willy nilly just hop into anything. They're going to be looking at research. Heck, they've probably been studying Chicago for a good hot minute, right? But here it says, so these are the, the commitments, y'all. And, and you know, when you talk about, um, I know there's been a lot of talk about toxic masculinity, but I think that um, um, I, I want to say this is a good example, right? This is a good example of people that are using their funds. I know that people who are wealthy get a lot of pushback for like not putting back into their communities, um, you know, not caring about what happens outside of, of them. I think that part of the language that I think might concern me is because like my community in particular doesn't understand it is okay to profit from um doing the right thing you know like if if you're going to get paid to provide housing then that's okay i think that sometimes not only do they want you to like not only do we pocket watch and say oh you have to give money but not expect something back in return type of a thing if that kind of makes make sense cuz i already can tell what kind of negative language is going to be surrounding this but Number one, they want to scale community violence intervention programs, right? So that means that they, if there are community violence intervention programs, they're going to start to replicate those throughout different, you know, counties, right? Number two, providing jobs for participants of the CVI program, right? So that's that drives to the core of um a lot of problems, I think, for both men and women, right? We've been talking a little bit about how part of the quote-unquote lover boy strategy that is um, used, you know, whether we're conscious about it or not, is how men are able to prey on women that have a low socioeconomic background that are poor and are wanting a better lifestyle. And so, these women, because for whatever reason, can't make the money themselves or because of the societal expectations we put on them of, you know, getting it through a source of marriage and or not having access to education, not understanding that they're capable of acquiring the wealth for themselves. It it um it, it, it creates all of these problems that we have, right? When you talk about Romania having the poorest, one of the poorest countries, right? And them being the most impacted by that, it's because the women don't have access to um, to education the way that they need to. I don't know how much rights they have out there, but this is a global issue at the end of the day, too, right? Um, 
And so, but the same thing with men, if you don't give them a purpose, uh, a sense of being able to be gainfully employed, I, I feel like, you know, if people are going to be quote unquote bandits, then I do feel that if you're just born that way and that's your genetics, then, you know, you're you're going to steal from people. But um, like yesterday, we were talking about that 19 year old that was that stole a car from someone and he got kind of slapped around a little bit. Um by the police officers and stuff like that and stuff. And it's kind of like, I don't know to what degree has to do with his opportunity to have access to employment. I know they don't rank the highest in terms of education. I think that another strong component would be, you know, emphasis on education. But um, yeah, jobs is, I think that they are hitting the nail on the head with that one. Number three, enhancing police and criminal justice reforms, right? And part of what I'm interested to see is, like, let's say they do bring something back like stop and frisk, right? The biggest beneficiaries of this would be black women, right? But I worry that we will be the most vocal when it's like our sons, our cousins, our husbands, our fathers that are getting stopped, you know, and they don't have anything on them. And the whole point is kind of like, we just need to have a, a curve or a time to get all the people off the street that are causing harm, that do have ill intent, that are carrying, you know, weapons that are not registered and that are distributing drugs, right? Because he did talk about non-conventional approaches. Now, stop and frisk has been used before, but I again, I, I'm interested to hear what the innovation is. I'm not going to be willing to kind of fight anything, you know, because what I don't want to happen is that we're... Um, there's no point in repeating things that haven't worked before. So it's time to try something different. It's time to give it a chance and to now I think that we understand fully what we're dealing with, right? I think we've tried the coddling method. We've tried the speaking life into you um, approach and that stuff doesn't work. And so you can't sacrifice the upstanding citizens and people who are trying to make it and to make it out of the hood by by letting people that are practicing criminal activity just run loose. Number four, hiring more broadly from south and west sides of Chicago. Um, and then this one, investing directly in south and west sides of Chicago. So, you know, sometimes there's so much fighting about the system and... Um, I feel like this is a great chance to give them, you know, a good fight to, to turn around. Um, and, and so it's, here we go. Here's the, let's go to the comments, right? Because I want to address this. So it says, this person, MFZJ3ZL, right? It says, the only reason the business leaders are stepping in is to protect their real estate holdings. They know Chicago politicians are a failure and need to do something now before it becomes the next Detroit. There's nothing wrong with them wanting to protect their real estate holdings, right? I And a part of it has to do because we're not used to holding so much real estate that we don't care. That's part of the reason, you know, I'll probably say it for another podcast, but if we don't own anything, we're not going to take pride in what it is that we own, right? Um, I don't have a problem with them stepping in to protect their real estate holdings at all. 
you know, and I wish that more of us would take a sense of pride. Like, can you imagine if more of us took a sense of pride for our community? You know, I talked about how with the 19 year old that robbed the car, it's like he should have repercussions, not just from the white people, you know, law enforcement issue. We should have a good sitting down and talking with that young man and be like, listen, you can't be out here, you know, representing the black community, looking a hot mess, robbing, living a life of criminality. And there needs to be repercussions within our own selves, like hold ourselves accountable. You're not going to be out here stealing from my son, my daughter, my nephew, my cousin, my mom, my dad, you know, stealing from them. They worked hard for that and you breached their sense of security and you don't get to do that, right? That we have to hold each other accountable, whether it's in real estate holdings or safety in our community is how I feel. Um, <laughs> um, this person says only two things will fix the problem. And, and, you know, it's funny when people are like only two things. That is such a narrow minded. I want to use the word myopic um, perspective. Right. He says only two things will fix the problem. Hold criminals accountable for their actions and let honest citizens carry guns until then. You're wasting your time. No, it, it's way more than that. Right. It You're going to have to have education component, the employment component. Right. Um, having the parks, places for people to have uh, children to have. Um... OK. Anyways, so um, I I had bought some crypto and it finally told me the transaction is going through. So, but anyways, it says um, this is interesting too. And I think you know, let's just get out in front of this comment. So this person, Chris Weg Wegemer, says right, like a billionaire knows anything about what's going on in Chicago streets. And so I look at it from two ways. You better trust and believe that if they haven't already been doing case studies on this, they're about to. This is a long year, a long term plan. Um, so what? We're twenty twenty three. They wanted to reduce the the um, homicide rates from seven hundred to four hundred and reduce it to two hundred within a decade, right? So they're going to be studying this. And I, I that's one thing I really miss about being in like, you know, going to school for I did both my undergrad and graduate for business administration. And I really miss I think that part of what made me fall in love with it so much was that it gets to combine like statistics and um, like analytics. And, you know, some of my favorite classes were like microeconomics and macroeconomics. What are the numbers? What are the what is the population? What is the demographics? What is the GDP? Um, how does it you know, how do these cultures and these communities move? Right. And but I think that there's something to be said. I think that when you think about sometimes my personal disappointment with male leadership, I think that this is good in the sense that they're demonstrating that now they understand they can't just be selfish. Right. Whether that means them losing real estate holdings or not, it's kind of like you have to care about the people that are in that community. But it it's not going to make sense. And this is part of my big point 
it's not going to make sense for them to want to um, invest in it more than we would want to invest in ourselves as a collective, right? So you can go in there and you can invest. They've already invested there. That's why they have real estate holdings there, you know, but you can want to invest and have think that there's a positive outcome and keep throwing money at it but until those people want to fix it within themselves for themselves it's going to be a lost cause it's kind of what i'm getting at um yeah this person you know this person put the billionaire's plan has already been and i think he meant tried but he put tired has already been he said tired over the decades in many cities, what makes him think it will work this time? And so part of what they said in the news clip, in, in case you didn't catch it, was that they're looking at different ways, right? Innovative ways, things that they haven't done before. But somebody put at least he's trying, right? Um, and here, here's a little bit of pushback, and then I'm going to hop off of here. So it says, the top three reasons they're doing this is because, one, the property values of downtown commercial Real estate, he, he said, is dropping, but I think he meant are dropping. Um, few business want to come to Chicago. I agree. Like, tell me where's the lie, you know. Number two, many large businesses relocating or closing due to crime. Absolutely. Until crime is addressed, you know, I've heard people complain about like, oh, well, why don't they want to stay here? Of course, they're not going to stay here. Life is business, right? And if it takes them seven to 10 years for them to have f food for you to have access to it, then you need to have talk conversations with your sons and your daughters and say, listen, I don't want you bringing home stolen merchandise from like the Walmarts and the Vons and the whatever, whatever else they have out there. Right. It says it is it is expensive to live in a safe area and work downtown. Right. And so even if you're commuting into downtown, it's kind of like you can your house where you reside and sleep and lay your head is safe. But you're driving into the thick of crime. You know, I was just watching a um a news clip. This is out here in I think in California. Um, close to like Chinatown. It was Chinatown or Koreatown. Guy was delivering a like two or two to three dozen beautiful red roses, um, for a delivery, and this couple walked by with their pit bull, and the little like the little dogs ran over to him, and you can tell by the look on his face he thought they were so cute, and so he told the guy he said, "Oh, you have a cute dog, or you have like a nice dog," and the the guy, the owner of the dog owner turned around and shot the guy in his neck and it's like you know he's out here he's employed he's doing his thing woke up never would have thought that that would be his last day no no aggression just delivering roses right oh my so then um it says here number three Good work candidates don't want to go to Chicago due to crime, right? And I, I am of the belief that it's like, listen, if you, if you can get yourself out of there, absolutely do it, right? But for those who can't make it or in, in the meantime, at least they're going to create job opportunities, hire people so that they can have more socioeconomic stability, right? 
It says, it is expensive to live in a safe area and work downtown. Um, this person says, I, want, I wish them luck. Nothing is going to change until focus on the cause of so many single parent homes. <laughs> oh my gosh. You mean like, oh my God, Let, let's just kind of. Mm -mm. I don't have time for that right now. Um, this person says, I'm happy that the wealthy business community is all in to help stop crime. It's also going to take family members. If you know someone in your family that is part of the criminal elements, it is on you to speak up to try to help them get help before they end up taking a life. Family members can no longer sit on the sidelines anymore. And I completely agree. Right. Um, hmm. So, yeah, um, let me there's there's something else I wanted to um, I'm going to I'm going to I have to look it up, but let me see community college. I want to see if I can find. Okay, let, let's listen to this video real quick. So this one says, Chicago billionaires urge CEOs to invest in anti-violence strategy. Let's listen to that real quick. And here it is. Here's the other part. So two weeks ago, so remember three weeks ago, they released all of this press saying that billionaires want to change. And so, but that means that you better trust and believe they've had conversations with the higher ups and anything moving forward, they're going to be passing it for green light through these, th th these individuals, right? So that was three weeks ago, two weeks ago. And I want to play this clip as well. It says migrant families move into Chicago community college, right? So you better trust and believe that got a green light from the billionaires. And it makes me kind of wonder where are they going with this? What are their thoughts on this? I'm pretty sure you have your ideas on that too, right? Heated debate erupts after Chicago City Council approves $51 million for migrant resources, right? So look at where they're funneling the funds as well. So these are billionaires. And when they're saying they're hiring, who are they putting their money towards? Migrants to the tune of $51 million in resources, right? So let's listen to this one. This says, Chicago billionaires urge CEOs to invest in anti-violence strategy. Let's click on this. Grandpa. Now to some of Chicago's wealthiest business people joining forces to fight crime. They are hoping to raise tens of millions of dollars over the next several years to work with organizations and local leaders already in that fight. CBS 2 Sabrina Franza is live in the loop. Sabrina, you spoke with one of those members. We did this new initiative. It's meant to bring everyone around the table to help fight crime. The idea is that collaboration is the key to making Chicago the best city that it can be. And now many of the business leaders here in our city, they want a seat at that table. A lot of the work right now is just being done independently. And if it could be corralled around a common set of goals and metrics, uh, we think the city would really benefit from that. So that was, you heard him on the last um, segment. His name is Robert Boyk, I believe. Yeah, Robert Boyk. He's a VP for Public Safety and Civic Committee.
a common set of goals and metrics, uh, we think the city would really benefit from that. Robert Boyk is the vice president of public safety at the Civic Committee, a group made up of senior executives of Chicago's leading employers. Some of the wealthiest members of the city now pledging funds and resources to fight crime. The business community hasn't traditionally been involved in this issue. And I think, um, you know, given the level of attention that, uh, that public safety receives every day, I think our members, you know, wanted us to play a role in that. In a new plan, both long and short term investment promises, mm -hmm. mainly hiring employees from underinvested communities on the south and west sides and working with pre-existing community violence intervention programs to help them expand their reach. And these are really things that are unique to what business can bring to the table. And um, this is the part that we are willing to play. CBS2 compiled data over the past few years. The homicide rate across the city peaked at 804 in 2021. The committee hopes that by joining forces with the state, local governments, and community leaders, that they can get that number down to 400, half. I don't think we're sitting here promising uh, that those numbers are gonna land where we want them to be, but we have to have aggressive goals. Now, this plan also includes focusing on business development on both the south and west sides, as well as making sure that the Chicago Police Department is abiding by the consent decree, that is, reforms required within the Chicago Police Department. As for how, when, how long this will take, how much it will cost, that remains to be seen. But more on that coming up at 6 p.m. We're live in the loop. Sabrina Franza, CBS 2 News. Thank you, Sabrina. Okay, let's squeeze in one more real quick. This is the one about migrant families move into Chicago Community College. Um, I, I had seen it in my algorithm, but I didn't click on it. So I'll be listening to this with you for the first time as well. <clears throat> After the commercial. Hey, hey, hey. Migrants are on the move again in Chicago. The city prioritizing families taking some of the migrants with kids over to Daly College for temporary shelter. Many of them getting fed, freshened up, and taking in the sunshine on campus. Some migrants told us off camera they are anxious to work and find more permanent housing or are thankful for this shelter. A woman who has lived near Midway for about 25 years now heard about the migrants coming to Daly College and wanted to help. Diane Martinez had seen how they have been living at police precincts, many of them oh. with their belongings in a plastic bag. So today, she brought in some suitcases. It's humiliating. And it's crazy because, like, as if Chicago doesn't already have a problem, you're going to bring homeless people into that situation, and they're not contributing to taxpayers' you know, stuff. We're, as a collective, all paying for this. That's wild. Enough that they're in a position where not everybody wants them here and every little bit that somebody can do to make them feel a bit more comfortable and welcomed why not there has been some pushback from other residents about the migrants being housed at daily college a community meeting thursday night fields and i agree because it's like a college is where people go to develop themselves so if they put like they use it for a stadium you know put them in a stadium or something <clears throat> but not a place where now you're depriving people from the ability to further their education. That's just wild. Some anger from people living on the southwest side. When do 
citizens of the United States of America come first. City. When do taxpaying citizens come first? Okay, a leader say it's a fraction of the cost to house migrants at the college compared to a hotel. They've struggled. They went through a lot to get here. And for them to get here and then be spoken to so badly or not welcomed at all. It's, that's not, it's just not right. Watch breaking. Yeah, I think she's missing the whole point. Life is business. And if we're taxpaying citizens and we've been been here, you know, and, and part of my problem, too, is the disrespect that comes with it when they come here. But whatever. Let's listen to this real quick. And then I'm going to close it out just to keep it at the 30 minute mark. So this one, it says heated debate erupts after Chicago City Council approves $51 million for migrant resources. And Alderman disagreed on how United City Council has approved $51 million in migrant crisis funding, but it wasn't easy. We respectfully ask that this chamber respects the order and decorum. And you're not going to believe, y'all, let me leave this comment. For my, for my regular people, I'm going to tell you exactly what's on my mind on this one. But, but you can hear the voice and you probably know I'm going to go with this. Mm. of this body of government. Public comment became heated as residents and aldermen disagreed on how taxpayer dollars should be used. Casey Cronus is live at City Hall for us first at four. Casey. Anthony and Natalie, the full council approved that budget amendment 34 to 13. The funding will go toward migrant housing and other resources for asylum seekers that have been bused to Chicago from the Texas border. But yeah. that decision did not come without contentious debate. I have a diverse population. And I hear those same people, black, white, Latino, everybody different races saying what about us in housing and real estate Residents and council members shared opinions which at times became heated over the decision to allot 51 million and you know what i will say this is this is going to be interesting because <clears throat> where i'm out in california i might have down, might as well live in in uh, mexico and i we joke about it out here the border just keeps moving further up north but um, they recently, if you pay attention to the news, they've been hiring a lot of the hiring, um, picking up and arresting a lot of, um, gang members. And a lot of them are same dynamic that we have in the black community. These Hispanic gangs, 16 year old boys that are recruiting younger boys to be in involved in life of crime, gun, gut, drug distribution, whatever, what have you. And part of what makes me want to say this comment is because. A couple pictures before this, you have these grown men just laying there with their hand out. Where do you how where do you think that's going to what do you think is gonna be the outcome when you're just giving able bodied people just free handouts, right? What's gonna come next is just a sense of entitlement. Dollars to migrants. Those against the funding are questioning how the city can suddenly come up with so much money for new visitors when local communities remain neglected and our own homeless population needs help. Mm -hmm. Since last August, more than 8,000 migrants have been dropped off in Chicago from the Texas border. Damn, 8,000? Okay, so what's the math if you do 8,000 divided by 51 million, right? 
That's that's a hell of a good come up, y'all. I promise you, like, if I have to cross the San Diego border and just kind of, like, <laughs> 51,000. Wait, 51 million. Let me make sure I have enough zeros in there. That's 51. Yeah, that's 51 million divided by 8,000. Mm, yeah, it comes out to 600 and... 6,375, if I did the math right. <laughs> Let me go back to this thing. Per person, right? With Mayor Johnson calling it a humanitarian crisis. When we talk no, that math can't be right. Would it be, wouldn't it be closer to 63,000 for each person? For 8,000 to get to 51 million? Yeah, not 6,000. Anyways. About asylum seekers and those families who have been here, um, how do we make sure that there's enough for everyone? Look, you know, we're, we're moments of way of digging in deeper with our budget and making sure that we pass a budget that speaks to the values of who we are as a city. Now, this comes after Mayor Lightfoot declared a state of emergency because of the migrant crisis before she left office. This as Shell. Oh, yes. Lori Light. What is it? Lightfoot. Oh my God, I don't remember her name, but I, from what I understand, she's no longer in office. But yeah, she's she's the one who told them to bust their their asses from Texas all the way to Chicago. She was like, "Bring them, bring them on, bring them all." Lori, Lori, Lori. See, because of the migrant crisis before she left office. Wait, wait, what's her name? Now, this comes after Mayor Lightfoot declared a state of emergency because of the migrant crisis before she left office. And I think I will say this, because if they're counting, if the business people are counting on her input, you know, what better time for her than to say, you know what, we have people here that are suffering. Let's take care of home first. Let's take care of home base. Let's take care of our, our tax-paying citizens, whatever, what have you, right? They're still recovering from the pandemic. I want to believe, but I could be wrong, y'all let me know, that that would carry weight. But because she was like, yeah, bring them in here, that $51, $51 million was finna go somewhere, right? You take five billionaires, they put um, $10, 10 million each, you know, amongst themselves, they're willing to contribute that. And that that fifty one million was gonna go somewhere, and for her to kind of add to that voice of appropriating it somewhere else, it's reminding me of um the Clyburn guy, right? The Clyburn guy that lives in one of the poorest um um I want to say is it cities regions in the U.S. and he's anti reparations, but the majority of his constituents are black and they're ADOS, FBA. This, that's that same energy. Just, oh my God. This as shelters and respite sites for asylum seekers remain full. And right now, Mayor Brandon Johnson is speaking with members of the media. We'll have the latest from that briefing coming up at 5. Reporting live from City Hall, Casey Cronus, Fox 32, Chicago. All right, Casey, we will see you next hour. All right, y'all, stay tuned. Um, I'm over my 30 minutes. And so if you want to come back, I will be keeping an eye on this. Um, I, I, I knocked out the three things I wanted to talk about. Um, 
definitely keeping an eye to see how they're moving. I don't agree with everything, but I'm interested to see how things turn out and hoping for the best. And I'll talk to y'all later. Bye.